Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer today, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. 153 affiliates strong, as I always say, thanks to all of you in our listening audience. You can follow me on Instagram. You can also do the same thing on Facebook. It's uh, America's Healthcare Advocate. That's the uh, Instagram page. Same thing with Facebook. There is a Carrie Hall Facebook, C-A-R-Y-H-A-L-L, if you want to go up on Facebook as well. And, of course, on the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you have questions, if we can help you with anything, that's where you want to go. Or you can call the lovely Joyce at 877-385-2224, 877-385-2224. If you have questions about health insurance or any of those related matters, Joyce will help you. She's not going to answer the phone today uh, when the show's on, but you leave a message uh, with the good ladies that answer the phones for us, and uh, they will get that information to Joyce, and she will get back to you if you need help. Um, Also, the shows are posted on the website and on podcast. In fact, I just had someone from... um, Colorado called me last week. They'd listened to the show we did on the Wabi Brain Scan, and it was uh, on SoundCloud. So SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and Spreaker are all... uh, places where you can find the uh, shows or podcasts are posted up there each and every week. Um, and that's that's a great place to go back to if you want to tell somebody about a show or listen to something you heard, whatever the case may be. Joining me in studio again, we're very happy to have him back, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, our vet, and my dog, uh, Greta's vet. So welcome back. Oh, well, I'm glad to be back. Made it through all that snow today. Yeah, yeah, we've had a little <laughs> snow here in Midwest, folks, no doubt about that. And uh, winter is here. Yes. Yeah, in case you didn't know, the first day of winter was last week sometime, if I remember correctly. So guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about your pets and winter. And you know, you're going to be kind of surprised, I think, by some of the things that Dr. has to say. And by the way, all you people out there that are in Arizona, or you're listening to us in Pensacola, Florida, or you're listening to us in Tampa Bay, or you're in Las Vegas, or you're in California, we've got a lot to talk about regarding your pets. And you'd be surprised there are some issues you need to be aware of uh, with this holiday season. So we're going to get into all that. Um, and, and we're going to talk about uh, these different issues and, and some of the things you can do. And some of the things you may know and a lot of these things you probably don't know because I was surprised by a lot of it and we're going to be talking about not just dogs but dogs and cats so doctor let's 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 roll with it and uh, um, you know you, 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 you know, I always find it interesting to see the number of people that leave dogs outside especially people that own you know a lot of the pit bulls and other kinds of dogs like that that leave them outside in this kind of weather in fact I don't know if you know this or not you probably do there used to be a woman in town here in Kansas City who loaded up her truck with hay and she would drive around to the various neighborhoods and throw hay 
out for these dogs so they had something that wasn't wet, you know, in snow and cold, and they could, you know, have some warmth. On and I remember her being featured on a local news program. I thought, my God, you know, it's sad that people that are, are that I some of that I think is just neglect, but mm. I, some of it though is just intentionally. I, I don't know. It just it really bothers me when people don't behave better when it comes to their pets. Yeah, unfortunately, people do make bad decisions, really sometimes. bad, and then sometimes it can be dangerous yeah. too. And uh, especially these these dogs that have real short hair coats and they're left out. They're not made to, to stay. Boxers, stay pit bulls, Dobermans go down the list. Greyhounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't leave them outside. You know, I saw an interesting piece the other day um, in the paper here. Tyreen Matthew, the famous uh, football player for the Chiefs, whose nickname is Honey Badger, he's a big dog person. So he went into a refrigerated cooler and sat there for thirty minutes to film a piece for PETA to tell people. And he said, I, I, it almost, he said it almost killed me to, to do that, but he did it. He got through like 27 minutes or something, and finally he had to burst out. He couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. But he sat there just you know, in, in shorts and said, this, showing this is what dogs are going through, cats are going through that are being left outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah good for him. Yeah, well, you wait. <laughs> good for him. I, yeah, I'm but, glad he did it instead of me, good, but good me, for him. And, and me too, but it's interesting how, the, how it, you know, we think about it in that context, Yeah. you know. How would you like to be out there, you know, in 19-degree weather? 14 degrees this morning when we woke up, right? How would you like to be out there in that kind of weather, you know, as you said, especially if you even if you've got German shepherds or whatever the case may be, it's still not acceptable to leave dogs out like no, that. No, there's a risk. There's a risk for hypothermia. There's a risk for frostbite outside. And with really, really cold weather and with no protection outside, there's a danger of fatality. So, you know, they're Dogs are, are part of our family. Cats are part of our family. So we want to take steps to do whatever we can to keep them safe. So if you do have a dog outside and you have mm-hmm. an outside uh, a dog mm-hmm. house, talk about mm-hmm. that and what people yeah. should do. And if you're going to do that, here's what you yeah. should do. Yeah, so, so you need to have a good place for the pet to get out of the, out of the elements. And so the dog house should be insulated. Uh, it should be sealed so it's going to stay dry. Uh, a flap it should have some kind of uh, protection in the doorway. So a flap allows the dog to get in and out, and uh, that should be oriented away from the prevalent winds and where the snow blows in so you're not getting a lot of stuff blown, blown in there. A good dog house uh, should be off the ground, so it's not in contact with the ground, but it should be sealed around the edges so the wind's not whipping, whipping through there. And probably the best bedding is straw. And straw, wood chips, uh, a blanket is going to, the dog goes out, gets snow, comes in, uh, lies down, the snow melts, and that blanket turns into a block of ice real quickly. So a blanket's not the uh, the best solution. But the straw uh, that wicks through straw, the moisture. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then you want to change that regularly. So it'll it'll break down and, and, and get, get damp. So you want to change that regularly so it's nice and comfortable and, and, and warm out there. So, but at, at what point, you know, even if you've you got a doghouse, you got an outdoor dog, when, when these temperatures get down to 15 degrees, is it safe? I mean, even if you do all those things, you, you, you know, seal the house up, move it so that it, the wind's not blowing in the house, mm-hmm. or the snow, or the sleet, or the ice rain, some of the other wonderful yeah. things we get here in the Midwest, um, is it still safe under those kind of temperatures for a dog to be out like that? Once the weather starts dropping below freezing, below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, I start becoming concerned. And I think okay. that's when you need to think about bringing the pets inside. Now, that said, uh, you know, you look at some of these sled dogs live up in Alaska, and they live outside, <laughs> yeah, you know, do. where it's below zero. That's interesting. But they have heavy coats, and they're slowly acclimated to that. 
there's still some risk. And you, but you look at some of these dogs, and their ears are a little bit chewed up because they've had frostbite. And so uh, once it gets below freezing, then you're you're taking some risk. The, the other thing, if the dog's going to be outside most of the day, uh, it needs a water source. Okay. And so it needs so that means you're out there providing uh, water because it's going to freeze over. Or in, in some cases, if, if, if it's safe and the dog's not going to chew on the wires and stuff, you can use birdbath heaters uh, to keep a bucket of water warm and thawed out so they have something to drink. Another concern is that uh, dogs use a lot more energy uh, to keep themselves warm. And so a dog that's outdoors quite a bit requires about another 10 to 50% uh, calories uh, during the day. Uh, so that it keeps enough fat on its body to, to be insulated. Now, on the other hand, if the dog typically walks every day, but now because of the cold weather, it's a couch potato in front of the fire. That You'd be, be describing my dog. You'd be <laughs> describing Greta at this point. I yeah. think yesterday she spent the whole day laying in front of the fireplace. I was like, where is she? Oh, she's in front of the fireplace. Right. She got right. up to eat. <laughs> twice and she did go outside and run around for a little while but i mean no she was not happy to be out in the snow and the yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. Those, those kids need probably about 10 percent fewer calories yeah yeah during the winter yeah, yeah. they put on weight just like we do <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt about it so uh, yeah. so so it's important i think for people to understand that you know when you, you, the these 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 things that we just talked about if you're in a cold mm-hmm. weather climate now here's one other thing how long should you when it's below like when it's 15 degrees 20 degrees, how long should you let a dog typically stay outside? If the dog uh, has a, a reasonably uh, thick a hair coat and this young dog is in good shape, that dog can stay out as long as you can stay out. Okay, that's an and, interesting way of doing it. Right, right. Okay. So if you're comfortable and you're, and you're doing something active, you're, you're hiking or you're shoveling you're, snow, shoveling snow, <laughs> or, or you're doing cross-country skiing, uh-huh. things like that, the dogs can tolerate you know, what, whatever we can tolerate. Now, if the dog has a uh, real thin hair coat, a short hair coat, then you're thinking more about getting a sweater on, on that dog. The other thing that's really important for the winter is grooming. We think about summer as important for grooming, but uh, it's really important to keep the mats brushed out and keep the dog uh, 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 groomed and bathed so it's got a nice fluffy hair coat to keep it warm. You, and you, you, you mentioned uh, in, in some of the notes booties. We're almost up on the break, but but another thing, if dogs are going to go on walks and there's ice and snow on the ground, yeah, so you don't tear up their pads, right? Yeah, a couple of reasons. You don't tear up their pads. You protect them from the salt. Uh, but, the, but the other reason is that if you have a dog with a long hair coat, uh, there's a lot of hair between the toes. They'll pick up these snowballs uh, between their toes, and those can be really painful for a dog. And uh, a, a dog that I used to do a lot of hiking with, I'd have to stop uh, if I didn't trim the hair, which is the best thing to do, trim the hair from between the toes. And then you can go you got to stop there. every 10 or 15 minutes and clean the snowballs We're going to come right back after the break. We're going to talk about cats. I didn't forget about it. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned, the doctor's in the house. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIE Radio Network, you can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All the shows are posted up there. They're on the podcast platforms I mentioned at the beginning of the show. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at America's Healthcare Advocate. My producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Our special guest in studio with us, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, my favorite veterinarian and 
our dog's favorite veterinarian. If you want help with your pet, you're having any issues, they've got a great practice here in Kansas City. It's the Westwood Animal Hospital. The phone number is 913-362-2512. 913-362-2512 is the phone number. Emily, right? Right. The Emily. lovely Emily's always so sweet when you call. She's yeah. always so helpful. You have great people yeah, up she's front. She's office manager. Yeah, she's, she's really she's good. She's wonderful. Yeah, so you can call there and get an appointment. Or you can go to the website, westwoodanimalhospital.com. You know, they do a lot of they do They do classes in addition to, you know, a great practice. We just had surgery done on Greta. Um, and I was just talking to Doctor off the air about the about the the, the the vet that did that work at part of his practice there, and she, Doctor Weiss, and yeah, and she did a great job, and and Greta's completely recovered, so it's a great practice. WestwoodAnimalHospital.com is the website. Phone number nine one three two six two sixteen hundred. If you are fortunate enough to be here in Kansas City, so let's go back to this thing about you, you see people, you know, like yesterday, even with the snow and everything that was going on, you see people walking dogs all the time in this kind of weather, especially after it clears and mm-hmm. there's snow and ice on the ground. How bad is that? How much danger is that for the for the for the dog because of what it's going to do to their pads, their paws? As you're going out and walking a mile, two miles, what's that? What what? You know what we've I mentioned booties going out, but that really isn't a bad idea, no, is no. it? Booties can be real helpful in an urban area where they're throwing a lot of uh, salt up on the sidewalks yep. where the dogs are walking. Uh, you should clean you know, clean that out from between the toes and the pads. So if you wear the booties, you don't have to do that. Thank you. Right. Right, so you have the salt can be an issue, uh, or the dog comes in and licks it off itself, and then yep. it might have an upset stomach, and you ends up with a, a vomit and salt on yep. your in the living yep. room rug. That's exactly right. The other concern is uh, is ice uh, cuts, and yep. sometimes uh, you can get these really sharp pieces of ice uh, that the dogs walk on and they can cut their feet. So the the booties are a really good idea, and they also on the dogs that have hairier paws, they prevent that 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 accumulation of little snowballs. Of so all that stuff helpful. from getting in there. The other concern yep. on walks uh, is. Uh, Ice is slick, and just like it's danger for us when we fall, it can be the same thing for a pet. And and pets, especially pets that have some arthritis, uh, if they hit a slick spot, they're more likely to go down. Yep. And so you have to worry about fractures. And so uh, icy weather like that, it's good to keep the dog on a short leash uh, so you can keep the pet next to you rather yeah. than letting it run out on a longer leash and it might slip and fall and break something. Yeah. And the, one of the other things that people that live in rural areas that have ponds, on their property. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A dog uh, sees the snow. It looks just on, on, a, on a pond. It looks like just more land. And if you don't have enough uh, ice to support the dog, the dog can go through. And that's, that can be really dangerous. Yeah, because you're not going to be, who's going to go in and get the dog out? Yeah, that's okay. Or if you even tricky. see the dog go right. through. So it's not a good idea to let dogs run across those kind of uh, ponds and everything unless you know that thing is 100% frozen all the way through. If it'll support your weight, it'll support the dog's weight. Right. So and I guess some, maybe that's a good way to look at it. If you're willing to go out there, you can let the dog go out there. If you're not, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. And that's something to think about, too. If you're visiting the the friends or, or family that live in a, on a farm, uh, you know, back home, you don't have a pond in the backyard. You don't have to worry about it. But you go out there and you turn your dog loose and you got to be aware of what kind of dangers they have in their, the back 40 there that maybe you wouldn't have at home. Creeks would be another problem, yeah. too, in more of a rural area, trying to go across the creek and fall through. So let's talk about cats now, because the you know, people have what they call outdoor cats, which are actually outdoor indoor cats in a lot of cases. You know, we used to have one. I can't remember. We used to have one that came through our neighborhood all the time, and we fed her because she lived outdoors. I don't know if she even had a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and and our next door neighbor named her. I can't remember what he, he had a nickname for. Her. But we would put food out for her. She was a big gray cat, and 
it always bothered me that in the, and she was out in this kind of weather. And I was like, where, where does she go to get out of this? Um, you know, so talk about what people need to do. If they've got a cat that is a cat that likes to be outdoors, what should they be doing? Yeah. Well, the cat needs uh, some place to go for protection. And um, uh, if, it's, if it's your cat, a uh, good idea would be to have a cat door that goes into a, a garage or a basement area. And, and the concern, though, with the cat doors is – Cats aren't the only ones that will use it. Yeah. <laughs> the local there raccoons you go. or possums. You're going to have a possum or <laughs> raccoon. Right. Yeah, yeah, you could have, yeah, yeah. But you can buy these cat doors uh, that are activated by a by a chip a chip in the in the collar that the cat wears, and that way only your cats can get in and out, and and the other uh, varmints that are living around the neighborhood uh, they're unable to get in. So that that's one possibility. If you have uh, feral cats in your neighborhood that you're taking care of, or you don't want to have a, a cat door, uh, then you can provide a, a cat house, <laughs> just like you have. There we go. It's a, a cat house. <laughs> and typically, uh, what people will do is they'll they'll usually uh, Maybe use a dog kennel that they put out on their porch, and then they'll put insulation around that and, and straw. In, in straw exactly, uh, and then have a, a, a water, a warm water source. So again, the bird, the uh, little bowl with a bird feeder uh, heater in there can can be real helpful, and so that the cat has a way of getting in in and out. Another thing you can use, and I know some people that, that take care of a lot of feral cats, is they use um, uh, these large styrofoam. Uh, 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 water coolers, or, or uh, right, uh, yeah, 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 like yeah. beer coolers, beer yeah, coolers, right? Ball game, beer yeah. coolers, and what they'll do is they take a big one, the size of a small uh, uh, a dog kennel, and you don't want to think too large. If it's too large, then the cat's cat's body heat can't uh, warm warm it up. So you have a, a small one, you can cut a hole in it, just the size of a cat to get in and out, have your bedding in there. So that's inexpensive. That's uh, I never thought of that. That's protect. an interesting mm-hmm. way to do that. Mm-hmm. Wow. But but again, you have to provide some source of warmth and a place to get out of bad weather. Exactly. I mean, if, it, if it's freezing rain, again, we're here in, in you know in the Midwest. Yeah. But if it's freezing rain or sleet or any of that, that animal, if they don't have a place right. to go, the other thing that's really important during the winter for the, for for the family's cat that goes in and out is to have identification on it. So I would make sure that cat has a microchip, and then I would tape a cell phone number. Uh, and wrap it around the collar because in cold weather uh, that cat might go down the block and somebody sees that cat and they say, oh, my gosh, this cat, nobody owns a cat. It's out loose. I'm going to take it into the winter. And all of a sudden your cat's disappeared. You don't know what's happened, whether it's in the shelter or not. But if there, there's that identification on the cat, then somebody can call you and say, yeah, I'm taking care of your cat. You can come pick it up or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because one of the things I did with all of our dogs is you go to the hardware store and they have those machines now where you put in the name mm-hmm. and the phone number. Right. And I made up tags for every, and our, you know, Greta's chipped, but I made them up for every one of our, and we had them on the, I had them on the cats when we had cats. I had them on all the yeah. dogs so that if, if they got out, there was a phone number for somebody to call and they were able to get in touch yes, with Yes, and that's that's a really good idea. Microchips are great. A, a dog or a cat can't lose a microchip, uh, but you want to make it easy. And so yeah. if you've got your cell phone on there, whether you're traveling or, or at home, it's easier to get a hold of you. Yeah, it's definitely easier. So if you want information about Westwood Animal Hospital, go to the website, westwoodanimalhospital.com. Great crew. Give them a call if you have a need, if your pet has a need for some type of attention. 913-362-2512. 913-362-2512 is the phone number. 
and the lovely Emily will answer the phone and be happy to help you. We come back from the break. We're going to switch gears now. We're going to talk to all you people in warm weather climates as well as all of us here in the the, uh, shivering Midwest. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back after the break. Stay tuned. There's more to come. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us on our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Like I said, if you need help with health insurance or any of those issues, ask for the lovely Joyce. She will be happy to help you um, should you need any kind of assistance. americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, the always perfect Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this fascinating conversation with Dr. Hanhausen. Uh, again, if you want information about Westwood Animal Hospital, you're here in the Kansas City Metro. It's westwoodanimalhospital.com. The phone number 913-362-2512 if you want to call and schedule a visit with one of your pets. You know, it's funny. You told, We were talking about those tags. I'm driving down Brookside Boulevard. This is about two or three weeks ago. Four-lane street, okay, for those of you not here in the Metro, and there's this little border collie trying to cross the street. And I'm like, this isn't, there's nobody around the dog. So I whipped into a side street, got out of my truck, and got down low, and just started talking to the dog. She came right to me, which was I'm kind of surprised. I picked her up, put her in the truck, and there was a tag that had a phone number. And I called the lady, and she was actually at the hospital with her mother. And I guess the dog got out because the kids were at home or something. Anyway, she had the two young daughters meet me in front of a, a visitation church here. And they, they got the dog and took the dog home. But that phone number hadn't been on there. I probably would have been driving to you with that dog. Going, <laughs> okay, we put her up because I could never, I would not have been able to bring her home with Greta. Yeah. But I was like, I probably would have had to bring her over to you. because. But the, 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 again, just having that simple tag on there with that phone number made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really important to people. You know, you don't think that this lady couldn't believe her dog had gotten loose, but she was at the hospital with her mother at the ER or something. So mm-hmm. evidently the kids left the gate open or something and the dog was out. It happens. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to use your head about those kind of things. And, and that's actually a holiday issue too. Yeah. Because because everybody's distracted, there's commotion, there in and out. people in and out, they're bringing food in, they leave the door open, right. so they go back out of the car. And so that you have more of a risk of your pet getting getting loose. So that identification is so yeah. important this time. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the chips are great, mm-hmm. but if you have the phone number and somebody can take their cell phone and call, you know, that, that, that that's how it works. All right, so now all of our people out there in warm weather climates, all of you listening in California, Texas, Arizona, Nevada. And laughing uh, at us. Yeah, and, and you're, yeah, yeah, a friend of mine down in uh, East Texas sent me an email yesterday during the Chiefs game. It's 80 degrees here today. It was 24 out there yesterday during that game, so give you some idea. So... Um, Let's talk a little bit about it, because this is interesting. Pet safety during the holidays, and this applies to Christmas trees, decorations, food. Let's kind of go through some of that. So, you know, Christmas trees, as I said to you off air, when we had cats, that was a constant battle because the cats kept trying to get up in the trees, and they wanted to bang around the ornaments. Right. And we kept water guns, and we'd squirt them when we could catch them. Yeah. But it didn't do you much good at night if no. <laughs> they, they were prowling the house. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. There are some of my uh, the families that bring cats in that literally stop having Christmas trees shortly after adopting a cat because they had no no way of keeping them out. And those are all kind of danger. The, the trees can fall over. Uh, sometimes you've got a live tree, and you have water in the bottom. You get some 
pretty funky stuff that grows down there that the cats might want to drink. Uh, tinsel's a problem. Yeah. Uh, the linear foreign bodies are really dangerous. Tinsel, ribbons, things like that. Uh, of course, you have the glass and some of the ornaments that can be dangerous. The cat breaks breaks those or a dog tries to chew on one of those. And uh, probably if you want to have a Christmas tree, the best fix is to use a motion-activated alarm. And there are two types of alarms uh, that you can buy. One is made specifically for pets, and it's called a scraminal. And that particular uh, device is a little bit bigger than a cigarette pack, and it has a narrow beam that goes out for eight feet. And if you have a Christmas tree that's in the corner of the room, then you just aim this thing in front of the Christmas tree. And if the pet approaches the tree, the corner makes a really loud noise for two or three seconds and teaches the pet to stay away from it. And so it's really slick. Another type of alarm that's a little less expensive uh, that you can actually hang in the tree is a doorknob alarm. And you go to a home security section of a hardware store, and you can find these doorknob alarms are basically little plastic boxes with a ring on them so they hang on the doorknob. And so that when somebody opens a door and it moves, it makes a really loud noise, and you can hang that in your Christmas tree also. But those are two really nice, quick fixes to keep a pet away from an area where it might get into trouble. Yeah, because, you know, especially cats. Especially cats. We had three (laughs) cats, and it was, a. I mean, and we always had these giant Christmas trees with the kids, and... It was, that was always, you know, there were water guns that we kept around the house because that's the only, I didn't, you know, yeah. never had never thought of what you're saying. That That's a simple, simple solution, yeah. the, the, the the doorbell alarm thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, once that goes off, they're probably not going to go back more than once or twice. Cats are usually, well, yeah, once or twice, they learn really quickly to yeah, stay with they, them. They don't, they don't like it. They don't Labradors, maybe three or four yeah, times. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boxers, probably three or four or five times. You never know, yeah. So, so... And and so this is another one, and this this actually happened to us. So we had a a black cat named Katrina, and she ate poinsettias. Mm -hmm. And she wound up at an emergency hospital with kidney failure. Now, they saved her. But poinsettias and um, the lilies. Um, the lilies are actually it? actually more toxic than, than poinsettias. And poinsettias, uh, it probably varies from pet to pet, but they're probably not as toxic as we thought they were years ago. Okay, well, still, they can still cause a lot of problems. You don't want to pet the ego. So yeah. that's not a good idea. But uh, lilies, uh, hollies, pretty toxic. Really? Amaryllis. Uh, those are all. And then a variety of other plants. So whether that, it's a dog or a cat. You, do, you don't want to. Yeah, so you want to keep them away from that stuff. Uh, again, you can use an alarm to do that, or you can buy sprays like bitter sprays and hot sprays that you can mist things like this, some of your decorations, uh, to uh, keep the pets from chewing on those. Yeah, because they, they get into that. And here, here this, is, this is some of the other things that people do, and this is interesting. Oh, it's Christmas, and everybody's eating some candy, or everybody's eating some fruit and some nuts, uh, and you give the dog some chocolate. That's absolute poison to yeah. a dog. So yeah. talk about that. Because yeah. I don't think people realize you can't – the dog will eat it. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it, okay? Then you're going to have a sick dog in your hands. Yeah, yeah. chocolate is very toxic. And uh, most of the chocolate products, fortunately, have a lot of milk chocolate and, and additives to it, which dilutes out the cocoa chocolate and makes it a little bit safer. But if you take – pure cooking chocolate about an ounce of that can be toxic for a 30 pound dog that's not much chocolate so cooking well, the, the, but everybody likes to eat dark chocolate now yeah. it's like the thing because it's yeah. like it's healthy i can get fat and be healthy at the same time well, so 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 i can eat dark chocolate well it's the same thing doctor yeah well they're they're they metabolize it different and just like kids eat too much chocolate and they kind of speed up a little bit yeah there's a product in there called theobromine and that they don't detoxify very well and so it's like eating amphetamines almost 
And wow. It just gets them wired, and they get agitated. The heart rate speeds up, uh, and then you have seizures, coma, and with high doses, it's, it's toxic. And so if a pet uh, eats a large amount of chocolate, uh, I would call emergency veterinary hospital or call your veterinary veterinarian right away, and you want to know what type. They want to know what kind of chocolate it is and how much the pet weighs. And but typically, if it's if it's a part, amount that might be toxic, uh, you want the pet to vomit and get that up as as soon as possible. And then if it's a large amount, or if it's been a while since the pet ate it, then you're going to need to get it in the veterinary hospital. They can give it activated charcoal and do right. other supportive things right. uh, to keep the pet from being sick. Another product that people are are probably not aware of is xylitol. And xylitol is a an artificial added artificial sweetener that's added to uh, various things that you cook, uh, cookies and cake and candy. And xylitol can be very toxic, also. And so, any kind of sweet products uh, that you're not sure, more likely it's going to be a commercial product that's got xylitol, and you want to make, make sure that you stay, you keep that away from pets. And here's and, a few that you know, that chocolate. And I, I I'm pretty aware of all that, but th- mm-hmm. this one kind of surprised me. Macadamia nuts. Yeah. Now that that really, I would have never thought. <laughs> yeah. I've never given our dogs macadamia, but I like macadamia nuts. What? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, the other thing about this is kids. The kid, the pets are around. They think they're doing something nice. They're giving the kid. Yeah. The kid's giving the dog. So talk about macadamia nuts. Yeah. So they can be they can be toxic. Uh, not not as bad as chocolate, but the, but a, a large amount can be can be toxic. Um, raisins and grapes, those can be very toxic. They'll cause uh, kidney failure in some pets. Wow. So you got to be really careful about that. Um, uh, raw raw um, onions, uh, raw, raw garlic. Uh, uh, cats won't eat that probably, but no. some young big dogs will eat that stuff. Yeah. So the cooked, cooked onions aren't, aren't typically a big issue, but the raw onions can be they can cause uh, problems with, in, with destroying red blood cells. And here's one I shouldn't even have to tell mm. people about, but but believe it or not, I've, I've I've seen people do this. Let's give the dog a bowl of beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, I've seen people yeah. do this. Okay, yeah, right. And alcohol is not something that dogs or cats should be eating or drinking right no, no it's not they okay. don't so they talk don't. about you know it's not funny people think it's funny it's yeah, not funny no. it's, it's it's a really bad idea and uh the, the you think about what you somebody might give them they're going to get drunk and have problems with a lot smaller amount than than a person would so yeah. it's just not a good idea they don't it's no there's no good reason to at do that. all to even think about so, doing yeah, that yeah. yeah so so it's not cute people to pour no. the, the beer in a bowl and and, and, and give your dog a bowl of beer. Uh, real quick, because we're coming on the break, bones and fats. Let's get into that real yeah. quick, because a yeah. lot of people want to give bones to dogs. Yeah, cooked bones tend to be a lot more brittle than raw bones, for one thing. So they pose more of a danger. And so right. they chew into a, a turkey carcass, and, and they, they'll splinter, and they, they can perforate the, yeah. the stomach and intestinal tract. So uh, bones are dangerous. Uh, fat can be dangerous for some dogs. Some dogs are predisposed to develop, developing pancreatic disease, which is a can be a fatal disease, uh, and oftentimes real heavy, fatty meals. So if you think you're taking – you're not giving them bones, but you're, you're taking them all the cut off the steak off the ham or the turkey. Exactly. Yeah, not smart. Uh, that can cause All right, right, we're going to come right back after the break. We'll wrap it up. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. My guest in studio, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen. We are getting a lot of feedback on these shows, so obviously uh, people enjoy having Dr. In-House. Once again, here in Kansas City in the metro, um, if you would like to see Dr. Hunthausen or one of his associates, 913-362-2512. That's Westwood Animal Hospital. They do a lot more there than just take care of pets. They do obedience training. They have all kinds of classes there and information if you're interested in any of that the website is westwoodanimalhospital.com westwoodanimalhospital.com once again the phone number 913-362-2512 this is a season when people travel with their pets i've been reading some real horror stories about people traveling with their pets and some of their issues like going to the bathroom on the plane uh, there was there was a i guess this was a delta flight a woman had brought a fairly good sized dog on the dog had diarrhea I'll leave the word out. Storm, thank you. The other one is these people bringing these dogs on, and the dogs are uncomfortable, and they're yapping and barking the whole time, and you've got, you know, people sitting around them going, you know, it's one thing when it's a child, and you can, but when it's somebody's pet, it's a little different deal. So some of the things people should be doing if they're going to be doing that, because this has become a thing now, this whole thing with traveling with dogs, service dogs. Yeah, yeah, that's a big issue, and that that we somebody needs to do some fixes on that. Unfortunately, there's no group that really uh, provides certification for these emotional support dogs. No, and you can so, go up online and yeah, buy the whole thing, yeah. including a vest, a little kit, the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah, if and, you want to take a dog. And typically, they'll, uh, most airlines will only allow a certain, certain number, maybe one or two pets per cabin right. on a flight. Yeah. And so if somebody has a pet on there that really shouldn't be there, you're taking a space up from somebody that might have a support dog that should be there, maybe a physical support dog. So it's really not fair to other other, other people. But uh, yeah, I think well, the first thing for just for dogs, dogs in general, uh, if, it depends on how you're you're going to travel. But if you're going by plane, uh, you need to talk to your veterinarian uh, about getting a health certificate. Most airlines require a health certificate. Interesting. And usually, those have to be issued within about ten to twelve days before the flight. So you need to know when you want to get the pet in for an examination. So you want to have that health certificate. It's a good idea to have a vaccination certificate uh, with you uh, if the pet uh, is. I typically don't like having a pet in the hold of a plane. No, it's not a good place. Do, yeah. If you have to do that, uh, you want to make sure that you've got a nonstop flight, uh, that uh, uh, instead of several flights, you want to pick a time of day, maybe the middle of the day where it's going to be warmer. And near. not sitting on a runway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if uh, I really don't like sedating pets in that case. People ask, ask for sedatives, yeah. but uh, oftentimes that'll affect the pet's ability to control its own temperature, whether it's summer or winter. It's flying. just not a good idea. It's just not a good idea, really. You really, if you, if you, you, you should try to take a couple extra days off and, Thank go by, you. and go by car. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that a little bit because this is the, that, that's another one. So mm-hmm. what are the things, you know, you see, we see a lot of people in and out of hotels. Lori and I take, you know, do road trips with their pets. Yeah. Most of whom seem to be pretty well behaved. But, you know, it's like when I first started taking Greta to the office building, she didn't want to get on the elevator. Mm-hmm. She was scared to death the elevator. Finally, after I got her and she, so you go into a hotel, the dog or the, 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 the you, that dog needs to be oriented to understand what it's like to be in a hotel and not close the door. This is another one. We were in a hotel, I don't know, last year sometime, and the guy, they had a dog and they put the dog and they left. And the dog was going crazy. And finally yeah. I called security and said, uh-uh. Yeah. And they made him come back right. and get the dog because the dog was going crazy in the room. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, and that's really goes back to when you first adopt a, a young a young dog. You really want to get it out and about in all types of environments as much as much as possible. Uh, on, on days it's not busy, uh, you can take take a young dog to maybe Lowe's or some other places uh, to socialize and get it used to a wide variety of noises. Uh, and then take them to Petco, uh, walk them around exactly. Petco. They, they don't Ex- mind. Exactly. So they, so you don't want to, if a dog's just cloistered uh, as it as it develops in our first year of life, it's, it's going to have a harder time dealing with travel and new experiences like that. Uh, you want to call ahead, and, and you, actually, there are a lot of websites now that you can find out with dog-friendly restaurants and and uh, dog-friendly uh, hotels. hotels and motels and boarding facilities. You may need a boarding facility uh, when you get to wherever you're visiting. You may not need, you may not know you need that boarding facility until you get there, right. And realize that yeah, you can leave your pet at home alone, but at Aunt Gladys's house, the pet's going to freak out and scratch the door. And so it's always a good idea to have a backup uh, boarding facility uh, where, wherever you're going. But you want want to plan plan ahead. Uh, if um, uh, if the pet is really stressed out uh, with travel, you might consider pheromones. There's a pheromone product called Adaptil, A D A P T I L, and it's, it comes as a spray and a collar and a diffuser for pets at home. And it's a really nice, safe product that has a calming effect on on some dogs. It doesn't work on all dogs. Now, if you have to travel with your dog and the dog just really falls apart in in, in the car, it it whines and barks and cries and is really stressed out. Uh, there are some safe uh, anti-anxiety medications, not just sedatives, but actually anti-anxiety medications that a veterinarian can prescribe. But the key is don't wait till the last minute and say, call up and say, hey, doc, I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah. Can you give me a downer for my dog? Uh, most of these medications uh, have a wide uh, r- range in regard to what the uh, dog needs. And so if I'm going to prescribe medication for a dog wanna, that's traveling, yeah. I'll say, call me six weeks ahead of time, and we'll start out by doing some trials at home. We give the dog a little bit, uh, and then maybe take it for a car ride. If that's enough, you can gradually increase it to that, that sweet spot on, on, the, on the dosage level. Because they're just like people. They're all different. Every, yes, exactly. And yeah. you, so you need to know ahead of time you know, what, that's, what that's going to be. Interesting. So you, some of the things you should take with you, obviously they're medications. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, walked, I walked out of an office building last week, and the elevator door opened, and this man comes out, and there's this little bitty dog, not on a leash or anything. The dog was well-behaved, but I'm like, dude, I, I didn't even see the dog. I almost stepped on the dog. I mean, that's how, you know, and I'm like, you got to, there's got to be some common sense, right? Right. Put them on a leash, for yeah. God's sake. Don't have them walking around off-leash. Yeah. The dog sees a squirrel or a bird or something, or goes charge- up to, or goes up to some big dog who's not friendly. Oh boy! You know, that, yeah. Now that, we got a problem. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you definitely want to keep your, your dog on a leash. Uh, you want it, on the medication that, that you mentioned. Yeah. Bring it in an original bottle because if you just put your, the pills in a little plastic bag and you lose them, uh, you're gonna you might no know refill. the exact name or the number yeah. of milligrams. If you have all that information, you can call back home and either talk to your vet or talk to the pharmacy uh, about maybe getting a refill on that. Things that people probably don't think a lot about: food bowls. What kind of food bowl to have in a hotel? What kind of water bowl to have in a hotel? Yeah, yeah bring some things along the pet's familiar with. There's the same w- a water bowl. I'll bring some bedding along, some of the toys the dog's familiar with, especially toys that you can put treats in that keep them busy in the hotel. <laughs> we room. talked about this. Leave them treats with bit. peanut butter and the yeah, Kong right, ball works right, pretty well. Right, right. Well, that about wraps it up for today. Thank you very much, Doctor, for coming in today. This was really, I, th- I think it would be very helpful to a lot of folks to hear My a lot pleasure. of this. Good today. travels with your pets, right? Yeah, yes, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> use your head and, and, and do it the right way. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen. Westwood Animal Hospital, westwoodanimalhospital.com is the website. The phone number 913-362-2512 if you want to bring your pet uh, to Westwood Animal Hospital for a checkup or any kind of care. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but 
the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. 